0: The Door in the Sermon Series, I Am, spoken by Pastor Dan Bailey. We're going to continue today our series, The I Am Statements of Jesus. Uh, Only God can claim that phrase, I Am, as all sufficient, self sufficient, eternal. Uh, but there are some powerful words. We Last week, Pastor Doug spoke about Jesus' claim, his statement. I am the light of the world. And today, we're going to look at Jesus' words that he spoke to the Pharisees and religious leaders of that day. I am the door. My mother was sort of the unsung hero of my family. My dad was sort of a larger-than-life figure. He uh, was a minister who traveled a lot but it was my mother who was there every day. I mean, we knew her voice. In fact, my siblings and I, we still have to laugh to this day because in our heads, it's our mother's voice we hear. Not just the content when we run into a a situation or a scenario, it's not just what she would say, we actually hear the tone of her voice. Does anybody else have this problem? Or am I the only one in need of therapy today? but my mother, for example, even when we were doing chores or I was doing a chore and then I took a break, my mom had all these strange sayings. She was country and she would say to me, don't sit there like a bump on a log. I mean, I didn't even know what that meant, but I didn't want to be a bump on a log. So to this day, if I'm trying to be, take a break or procrastinate, that's what I hear in my head. My mother raised us fiercely and with love and compassion, but she also raised us very strictly. That's why it was so odd on one summer day when my mother did something highly unusual. She broke a rule. It was one of the hottest weeks of the summer. A heat wave was coming through, and we were struggling in the sweltering heat. It was too hot to go outside, and we didn't have any air conditioning on the inside. And my mother, in a moment of compassion or perhaps uh, wanting to be uh, seeing our suffering or her own suffering, perhaps, told us to get our swimming gear together. She was taking us to the pool. Now, we didn't have a pool, neither were we members of any pool. We weren't members of anything. I had asked my mother once if I could join the Boy Scouts, and she looked at me and said, go find your brothers and create your own Boy Scouts. I don't know what my brothers could teach me, but that's what she said. We didn't argue, we were excited that she had a plan, so we got in the car and we headed to the place she had in mind. As we got to this country club, and at this private pool, my mother approached the gatekeeper of the pool. We were right behind her, trying to look as sad as possible with our towels over our shoulders. My mother pled our case for entry, but much to our dismay, we were denied access. As we walked back to the car, a little bit sad, disappointed, a little bit embarrassed too because eyes were upon us, as we got closer to the car, my mother stopped in her tracks, She turned around slowly, surveying the whole scene, looking at the perimeter of the pool and with the eyes of a wartime general, looked at us and said, kids, there's an opening in the back where no one's paying attention to, make a dash for it, get there, go through the gate, jump in the pool and swim as long as you can. We were quite shocked by this this statement, this exhortation from our mother, but we didn't argue, we ran like chariots of fire to the back of the pool, we discarded our towels outside the fence and kind of slithered through the small opening in the back of the fence and plunged into that incredibly cool refreshing water hoping that when we resurface we would sort of just blend It was only ten minutes, but it was ten minutes of bliss and really the highlight of our summer It was a highlight not because of the water. We had been swimming before so that wasn't a novel experience And it wasn't a highlight only because we got to experience some danger, which for some preacher kids was kind of fun to go on this covert mission. It was unforgettable because of the actions of my mother, who set aside her reputation, did something that was out of the norm, that wasn't proper, putting her relationship with us ahead of the rules, even if it was somewhat misguided. Now, before you judge my mom, you must know she's in pretty good company. Jesus also broke some rules from time to time. Now, before you tune me out here or send emails, Jesus was without sin, unlike my mother. Sorry, Mom. But he did break some rules. You see, whenever keeping the keeping of any rule collided with the law of love, Jesus always chose love. In chapter 9 of the book of John, Jesus, in the name of love, breaks the letter of the law by healing a blind man on the Sabbath. This angers the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, who believed their ability to uphold the law was the key to garnering God's blessing. In fact, in hopes to manipulate God's favor even further, they created extra laws, and they piled on burdens upon people. They began to legislate morality on the masses grinding people into religious conformity. Ever been to a church like that? So thankful for Metro and the leadership of Pastor Peter On, who puts relationship and people ahead of policies. But these leaders in that day, they had turned the law of God into a man-based system, a merit system, of which they were the scorekeepers, the gatekeepers, the judge and jury. But the point of the law was always to show us our need for the Savior to come. The Pharisees, blinded by self-righteousness and self-interest, could not see the Messiah right in their midst. Ironically, the blind man, a man society believed to be under God's judgment, an outcast, not only receives his physical sight, but he receives spiritual eyes as well. He, unlike the Pharisees, saw his inward need and trusted Jesus as the door To salvation. It's in this confrontational context that we'll pick up our passage today in John chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. Now this is not Jesus by a stream petting children on the back of their head. This is Jesus declaring war on religion and the hypocrisy of leader the leadership behind it. Jesus is announcing himself to be the liberator of all people. So let's read together. I will be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible today. Beginning verse 1 of chapter 10. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who have ever come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The Greek word abundant used here means exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, considerably more than you could ask or anticipate. In short, Jesus is promising you a life better than you can imagine. But how can that be when life is so hard and we face struggle at every turn? How is it even possible When we have a life filled with problems and pain, even pandemics, how could it be abundant? Well, Jesus is not promising external abundance as defined by silver or status, or even by the false promise of religion that says if you fly straight, you'll be blessed. Jesus is offering something far better. Jesus offers you inward prosperity through the vitality of his divine life. Let me say that again. Jesus offers you inward prosperity through the vitality of his divine life. Jesus gives you something that will last, not contingent upon outward circumstances, the ebb and flow of life which changes or dependent on the fluctuating strength of one's own personal piety. Jesus gives us himself out of the fullness of his grace. You see, abundant life is not found in the rules, but in relationship with God. Jesus is not advocating law-breaking. He's advocating relationship, which leads us into abundance, into the image of Christ. And Jesus is declaring here in no uncertain terms, I am the door to this abundant life. Today, I would like to briefly focus on three mind-blowing benefits of this abundant life. All three available to you when you trust Jesus as the door. First, when you trust Jesus as the door to abundant life, you recover your lost identity. Verse two and three says this, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. To understand this, in uh, ancient Palestine, a lot of times uh, sheep pens or sheep folds had sheep from different shepherds, and they would share a common place. But each shepherd could go to the door of that sheep pen, call their sheep by name, and each sheep would know the shepherd's voice and come out. What a statement Jesus is making and compar- comparing this way and using this illustration, saying I have... The claim on you. Only God has rightful claim and he knows your name. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. You were first imagined in the mind of God. Your story does not begin with your brokenness and your failure and your sin that we've all fallen into because of this world. The infection of sin, like a virus itself. Our story begins with our belovedness to God, that we were imagined by God and fashioned in his image and made uniquely for his delight, you are not a charity case of a distant deity. You are the love of the Father's life. And Jesus coming, God becoming man, the Son of Man, Becoming your representative means that God has pursued you to claim you back. What the thief has stolen, what has taken you and robbed you of the memory of your unique design, of your original blueprint in Jesus, Jesus comes to reveal again that you belong to God the Father. You may have forgotten, and you may have wandered off. You may feel like you're too far, but God has not forgotten you. People, hear this, because God is not naming your sin He is calling you by name to liberate you from it. Isaiah 49, 15 says this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. No matter where you are today, God is calling you. The Holy Spirit is still speaking to you. He did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him we might be saved. Jesus came To bring you back to your true self. When you trust Jesus as the door to abundant life, you recover your lost identity. Secondly, when you trust Jesus as the door to abundant life, you receive future security. Verse 9 says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture Now to really understand what Jesus is saying here, using this illustration, I think there's a picture, a slide that you'll be able to look at. Sheep pens in ancient Palestine were just simple rock structures, rocks upon rocks, built in a circle or in a rectangle, sometimes with briars and thorns in the top to be an added deterrent against thieves and robbers. But there was only one small opening, one way in and one way out. So when a shepherd had his sheep out in pasture and when he brought them back to the sheepfold, his work was not done. The shepherd served as the actual door to the sheep pen. And when the shepherd got tired at night, he would lay down across that opening. Are you getting the picture here? The great I am, all powerful, all wise, all knowing, always was, always will be, is also the God that lays down his life for you. John 10 and 11 verse 11, says it a little bit more implicitly. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. What an amazing truth that we have here. Jesus gives you 100% security in, what, in becoming the lamb for you because it, the worthiness of the lamb, we're going to celebrate communion a little bit, but it was the examination when a person brought in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, when they brought a lamb, the high priest did not look at the person, he examined the lamb. And because the lamb was spotless, and Jesus the lamb was spotless, we have a guarantee. Jesus, our substitute, took upon himself our sin and has given us the garments of his righteousness. So we have no fear. We have a place reserved for us in heaven. If you put your faith in Jesus, you don't have to fear judgment because you are judged now by the credentials of Christ. This is an incredible security and but it has real-time effect when we live into it because we're also that means we're free from the paralyzing effects of condemnation that many Christians today who profess Christ still haven't settled the issue of the sufficiency Of the sacrifice for your life still living in condemnation but Romans 8 1 says this therefore there is now this side of the cross there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus when I was a basketball coach back in the day uh, we were entering into the playoffs and we had a pretty good year but we were the number four seed kind of in the middle of the pack of our conference now how it works was if you win the conference you get an automatic bid to the national tournament known as the big dance. And so that year we were hopeful and hope always springs eternal, but we had some roadblocks ahead of us. We won the first round game because the first round game was a team kind of equal to us. So we got the win. The second round we had to go play the number two seed. We had to play them on the road, and we got the W. We pulled it off, played a great game, and now we're pretty excited because we're one game away. The only trouble is we had to play a team, the number one seed, we had to play them at their court uh, with their fans, and it was a team we had not beaten all year. We had lost twice by more than 20 points each time. But hours before that championship game, I got a call from the national office. They have a committee that selects Maybe nine to ten at large teams, people whether you win or lose the conference, were good enough during the year to get a bid to the national tournament. And I received a call from the national office that our school, Niagara College, was selected. We already had a spot. I went and told the team this news. They were excited, of course, but still had this game in mind. Well, I can tell you, something miraculous happened because I didn't even recognize this team. Now, we were a good team, but we played at a level that I had never even imagined. In fact, I felt so bad about myself as a coach. I'm like, what have I done wrong all year? The passes behind the back, the dunks, the alley-oops, the fadeaway shots, everything. And of course, I was much calmer. Coach Bailey, knowing we already had a spot, I didn't uh, get on my players as much. Not only did we beat this team, We beat them by more than 20 points. It was over almost before it started. We played free. We played with a sense of security because we had our spot. And we had nothing. We never had to look over our shoulder. Let me ask you, are you living life like you've already won? Or are you still trying to earn something that God has already settled Are you still remembering the sin that God already forgot and put away? Theologically, I'm sure most would agree that yes, I'm justified by faith in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. But functionally, how are you living? In order to experience abundant life, you need to trust Jesus as the door toward your future security as well. Lastly, when you trust Jesus as the door to abundant life, you enjoy a life of true liberty. Look at verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Do you notice how a shepherd leads sheep from the front? He's not driving them from behind like herding cattle or with a whip and driving them places. He walks in front. And because the sheep know him, know the shepherd, they follow. They know his voice. They listen. You see, religion and rebellion are really peas in the same pod. They're cousin. They have the same lineage. Because both choose to lead from the front. Religion says, God, I'm going to do this, that, and the other, so you'll bless me. Come into my plans. This is where I'm going. And we take the place eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We put ourselves up front in the name of God, and God doesn't relate to us that way but rebellion has no answers and a lot of people get exhausted with religion and say you know what i'm going to choose what will satisfy me because religion can't satisfy so they go another route but it equally where religion wears you out rebellion will always disappoint you we're likened to sheep i know we don't want to be likened to sheep because we're so sophisticated and here in the metropolitan area we're the most sophisticated But in view of this God who describes himself as I am, all-sufficient, all-powerful, all-knowing, trust me, to be likened to sheep is probably a compliment because sheep don't know. We were made for relationship with God. True liberty comes, true liberty in life comes when we live in a posture of dependence and we follow the lead of the one who knows the road ahead, the one who is all wise, who settled our past, who leads us forward and is an abiding present and ever-present help in times of trouble. Even Jesus was God himself, but he took the form of man and he put himself in a posture of dependence only doing what the Father asked. He submitted to the Father. A lot of us aren't experiencing abundant life. We may have gotten it right that we know where we came from, But we get it wrong here because we still think that we can navigate, that we can manage our lives and just bring in God when we need him. When we were meant to always be as derivative creatures, let God lead, he's the initiator, and we respond. In trusting obedience, we find true liberty in life, What would it look like, Metro Church and even the Church of Jesus Christ everywhere, if we truly took this posture, if we would be able to face our problems, the pain and the pandemics that we face today with a new kind of a certainty? Because the pressure's off. It's not about us. It's not about all the things we got to do. It's to listen to the voice of the shepherd. And when we do so, it's like stepping into a river where we're in the current, we're in the flow of all that God is. That is abundant living. See, our good works are not for God. They're not to renegotiate our position. That's been settled forever. Our good works, our life, is for the benefit of others because within you, because you don't live from disconnect, you live from the life of God. You were meant to express him, and you will only know abundant life as you live true to your new nature, now identified in Christ. But when you do, even when that road is tough, you will find this indescribable inward prosperity known as abundant life. I started with a story about my mother. I'll end with one. My mother had a very difficult life. She was raised in really abject poverty. Her father was a coal miner who died in a cave-in when she was only three years old. Her only memory of her dad was when someone picked her up at the funeral so she could peer into the coffin. Because of now losing the household income, The family moved to a larger town so that the mother could find work. But this was before the labor laws were in effect. So she worked long days and even on Saturdays. So managing her home, taking care of her kids was too much. She couldn't do it. She had to make the hard decision to give her kids away for a time. The boys went one place. The girls went to another. After about a year, she was able to get her kids back. And it was then that my mother came across a small church where she saw a sign for piano lessons. It was a pastor's wife offering lessons. And through this gesture, a lady just giving what she had changed the whole course of my mother's life. She began to attend that church, and she heard about Jesus as the door to abundant life. Because she didn't have a father, she said, I now know where I come from. And if he has done all this for me to reclaim me and, and to be my substitute so that I can live with the security that I never have known in my life, then I'm going to Follow him with everything. I'm going to trust him implicitly. And that's how my mother lived. She didn't have a theological training. She didn't come from church. She came from a history of drunkards and and, uh, people that were kind of rebel rousers. And here she was finding her identity in God and her security in God and says, I'm going to follow. And that's what she did. Missionaries would often come through this church uh, and she would hear their tales in the foreign field and their passion for Christ. She didn't know what she wanted to do, but she wanted what they had, more of it. These were missionaries that were often coming from, uh, had graduated from the NIAC Missionary Training Institute, today known as NIAC College. And she determined she would go there, no understanding of how life worked, never been anywhere, no understanding that this actually costs money. The church got together, scratched together enough money for a bus ticket, and some pocket change. She ended up in uh, the middle of New York City, Grand Central Station, trying to figure out how do you get from there to Nyack, New York. Every year she went, her bill was mysteriously paid. My mother just looked at it as God's prov- provision. She did not find that out until 20 years later that it was a man in her church who was so impressed by her faith and her childlike faith and her love that as they prospered in business, this couple, they were paying her bill, unbeknownst to my mother. Her roommate was, came from a family of means, and one day when her mother visited, uh, seeing that my mom didn't have much in her closet, just a couple dresses, a pair of shoes, they took her shopping, she got a whole new wardrobe, dressed to the nine, she came back to campus, turned the head of one Richard W. Bailey, my dad, and after, the story goes on, 50 years more plus of marriage and ministry. But as I was learning these things about my mother later in her life, in her diary, she was beginning to write these things down, and we were piecing them together. But the last, one of the last things she wrote before she passed, as she reflected on these stories I shared with you just now, she said this. She wrote, here I was a fatherless child from a small town with no real future, yet God always saw me. He knew me And when I gave my life to him, I decided I would trust him completely. And there was God proving himself all along the way, always ahead of me, making rough places smooth and crooked paths straight. People, is that the God you know today? The invitation stands. Jesus stands with arms wide open and says, I am the door to this abundant life. Abundant life is in relationship with me. Verse 10 of this text we read today says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and they might have it more abundantly. What's robbing you of abundant life today? Is it that you've forgotten where you come from and you've been trying to manage and dysfunction and disconnect with the true source of life? Is it that you yet quite, haven't quite settled the issue that The sacrifice of Jesus was sufficient. And functionally, you're still walking in condemnation. God wants to free you. He says, trust me completely. That issue is settled. Or is it maybe, like many of us, including myself from time to time, I like to take a posture where I'm in front and I find myself walking off cliffs, running into walls. I want you to know that you've been designed for relationship. And if you'll trust Jesus to be... For the leadership of your life, you will be able to experience abundant life. Not an easy life, but a life where you experience the miracle of God who allows you to participate in his restoration work around the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray, Lord, that it would not uh, just be words that we hear for a moment, but that would marinate within us, it would stir within us, it would land. And Lord, as we look to you, the source of life, we would find this abundant life that you invite us to partake in. Thank you that you are the door, that you have initiated all of this. You created us, you died for us, and you're leading us today. So Lord, I pray for Metro Church and all those here, Visiting all those listening, and they would be able to experience this abundant life, and that the city of Inglewood and beyond would see the glory of Lord. When the blind man was, um, people asked why that man was blind. Jesus, you said it was so that the glory of God can be seen. And so, God, we acknowledge today that even though we see trouble around us, that you're going to show your glory. And we're just saying collectively that we want to be a part of that. You don't need us, but you invite us in as your children, and, and we assume this posture of dependence so that we can see your glory among us. Lord, do this for us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to transition to a time of communion. I'm sorry, in just a minute, I'm going to mention some next steps, some things for you to consider um, first, I'm accepting Jesus as the door to salvation for the first time. If you've never gone through that door, God's only asking for your trust. He will take a thousand steps to you. Or maybe you know Him as Savior, but you really haven't yielded to His leadership. And you saying today, "I'm in. I'm in. I'm tired of trying to make it on my own or figure this out. I, I keep stumbling and tripping. I'm trusting You to be my leader." and to experience this abundant life. Check that off. Ask for prayer. We want to we journey with you in that. I'd like to challenge you. If you would like uh, out that uh, next step, I would like to join a virtual small group. This is not anything that you do that will make God smile. This is just for your benefit, that we can all grow together to understand who we are, who God is, and who we are, and how to respond. So please, uh, challenge yourself a little bit uh, to join a small group. I would like to buy groceries to support food distribution in Inglewood. This is a growing ministry. Mama Moore, Pastor Sunita, over 80 people are involved in this project here and feeding over a hundred families now each week. Perhaps you have been blessed and you're not in a financial crunch like so many others. There are people literally trying to put food on their plate right now. And if you're one of those, Enter into this work. Don't just do it perfunctory or to check a box, but if the Lord's putting it on your heart, what an opportunity for you to experience the abundant life of giving. Fourth, please sign me up to to virtually attend Metro's midweek worship and prayer service on Wednesdays. Pastor Mike leads that. Um, Prayer is so underrated, man. Uh, You just can be there. Even if you don't want to pray, we get so caught up in how to pray and all that. God doesn't care. Jesus prayed the shortest prayers of anybody. You can just show up, whisper a prayer, put a prayer request in, or just participate. Even, you know, put up a virtual screen so you can hide behind it. But please consider joining the midweek prayer service. And next week, Sunita's going to expound on my last point, Jesus as the good shepherd. Uh, And I'm already excited for that. I want to challenge you to read John 10, 11 through 18 in preparation for next week's message. I can tell you, if you will sit with it, marinate it, it will make the message just so much more rich because God, the spirit is never confused and will work with you to reveal himself. Pastor Peter already reminded you that there'll be an interview he's doing with uh, Pastor Eugene Cho, um, who is the president of Bread for the World. That'll be on Facebook Live at 8.30. So remember that.